0: Being disabled or having a chronic illness can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Martin. Join me and my new friends from this underrepresented community as we talk about disrupting the status quo and creating change within the world and within ourselves. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in, let's turn on some tunes and go. With me in the passenger seat and managing the radio for this road trip is Meryl Evans. Meryl is an accessibility marketing consultant and author. She uses a virtual megaphone to educate anyone who will listen about accessibility and inclusion with the focus on people with disabilities. Merrill is a highly sought after speaker who is known for compelling people to take action by sharing their, her stories and lived experiences as a person who happened to be born hearing-free, or profoundly deaf. She has spoken at TEDx, AccessU, ID24, South by Southwest, Content Marketing World, Accessibility Plus, and PCMA convening (sighs) leaders. I know you've been busy, lady. Her recent projects include delving into accessibility in virtual reality by working with XR Access and the w 3 c immersive captions community group. Wow. That's a name for you. She's a proud mom of three and a native Texan who has lived in Dallas, Fort Worth for all, but six years of her life. So hi, Merrill.
1: Hi Scott. Thank you for having me.
0: You bet. And we've been going around and around and trying to match our schedules and we keep one of us ends up at times. Well, I, I'm sorry. I've got soccer. I can't do that. And you say you've got something else. So doggone it. We're finally together. Yes. But I have a question for you. Now, I just read that about you've been in Dallas-Fort Worth for all but six years. Where else were you? Where What did you do for those six years?
1: I was in Washington, D.C. for the oh. years. So I've been, I went to college at an American university for half okay, of that I time that. and graduated. Yep. And then I went to work for the government for a federal aviation administration for the rest of the time. And after having my daughter my spouse and I wanted to move back to Texas to be close to the family, um, they finished the, um, airport. They were in the airport. So.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. So that covered that. Yeah. It had me scratching my head if you love (laughs) Texas so much in Dallas Fort Worth where you, but I get it. I get it. Work does that. And the education does that. So you recently posted, um, a, a label of some kind that I think is going to really set up the entire show. And I'll just describe it for folks. It It's, it's a rectangle box and in it, it says myth in bold print. And below that it says deaf and hard of hearing people only need captions and sign language interpreters for digital accessibility. How should that read? If, if, if that's a myth, and I know that from what I've, studied from you, Meryl, you don't like myths. You want things clean cut for people to understand, correct? And I, I believe that that's what your point was, that this has to be cleaned up and people need to be aware of exactly anything about captions and sign language interpreters and how they're used, correct?
1: That's, what, that's one part of it. The other part of it is they assume that's all we need. That's the wow. only accessibility we need. But that's not the case. There's a whole lot more to it. Such as a large being notified of things. Mm-hmm. And um we're a very <clears throat> verbal oh, sorry. It's Okay. Right. Like, we're a very verbal society. We often defer the phone calls and in-person communication. So that's the other thing that we run into a lot. A lot of online forum, require you to enter a phone number, and that is a problem for a lot of us. So the point of that post was to show ASL, interpreters, and caption are not the only thing we need, which is often a misconception.
0: Okay. That brings up a point about later in the program, I'm going to present a couple of examples to you from uh, issues I found when I've done some student, uh, not student teaching, but uh, substitute teaching. So we'll we'll table that for a bit. But when I saw that, that made me think of what's coming up later in the show. I just want to uh, go over with you. So I want to jump, jump right into uh, XR reality or extended reality. And I'll, I'll fill our listeners in about this. And this is what I found when I did some digging. Extended reality, encompassing this term to virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality applications that seek to improve human computer interactions through sensory experiences. Now, what have you learned about it? It seems extremely broad, Meryl. Fill us in on this XR or extended reality. Will you Fill in the blanks. It is the
1: big term. XR is the big term encompass encompassing. Um, a lot of times, people think about virtual reality. They know what that is because a mm-hmm. lot of consumers have it. Like, for example, if you have a PS5, you can get a headset yes. merge your stuff into the game. And of yeah. course, we have the Quest headset for Meta. And Apple just announced they're coming out with their own virtual reality headset. But it's actually mixed reality. Because it also has pass-through, meaning you'll be able to see the people in the room with you. So you're not just escaping to the world that appears in your goggles, but you are also yeah. see what's happening around you. So that's augmented reality. So it, it, it's the combination. So the biggest thing for me in terms of XR in general is it's not accessible. There's a lot of intercessibility there. So there's a lot of opportunities to growth.
0: It it makes me think to, to veer off my script or my notes with you for a second. You're out there and you're very well known on <laughs> in your area of expertise. No, you are, lady. You are. So when you point out something like this to the companies, do, do you uh, let them know that you found not an error but they're missing a larger group and if so what's their reaction to you speaking up
1: definitely i always this is yes disability, accessibility is a right and that's the right thing to do but companies don't think that way they think in terms of money Mm -hmm. right right so that's the most popular way, most effective way of trying to make the case to invest in accessibility is by showing them the money. And I show them mm-hmm. that people with disabilities and their supporters make up over 70% of the world's population. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of money because they support their families. So if I'm not deaf, but I had a family member who was, I'm going to invest in things they can use. So it's not just about the people who are disabled that are spending money, but it's the people in their lives that also spend money. And also accessibility is for everyone. Anyone can use it. Anyone. So I had some surgery and it changed how I interacted with the world. I had to do things differently. I had to drive differently. I had to open doors differently. I I could only use the keyboard with one hand. And that was slow. Yeah. So I needed accessibility to help me work through while I was recovering. That happens to anyone every day. Temporary disabilities can be due to an illness. Long COVID. A lot of people are dealing with the side effects from long COVID. Then there's also um, situational impairment, which is based on where you are. The most common example is you're at a restaurant and you're trying to watch the TV in the restaurant, but it's too noisy. You can't hear the TV and they're not going to turn it off. Mm. So you've got captions to fall back on. So you can need the dampers really show that a accessibility is used by so many people. And my favorite example to share is um, you know, the ramps at street corner. Yeah,
0: sure. When
1: you, yeah. yeah. They yeah. allow they were made to help wheelchair users, um, wheelchairs to cross the street safely. I mean, you wouldn't wanna okay. go down a step in a wheelchair, would you?
0: Right. I mean, I've right.
1: been in my I've been in a wheelchair a, a few times in my life and I know I will not feel safe, right? Mm. But so many people use that lamp, preparing, pushing throtters. I, I have three kids, and I And every time I came to a stop without a lamp, I had to turn around and carefully, slowly pull my kid's drone down. Because if I did it that way, they would fall face to one. So that's why I had to go backwards, which is not safe because I can't see what's happening behind me. Okay. So that's a big example up there. And workers pushing heavy loads, shoppers with shopping carts, and travelers with luggage. So it was originally for wheelchairs, and now all these people are using ramps. Same thing with elevators. We use elevators to get people to the second floor. higher, stay free, because they can't use the stairs. And I can tell you from my life, When I see people in a building, they are taking the elevator, they're not taking the stairs. Of course. So accessibility for everyone. And it pays to make things born accessible because someone's gonna need it at some point. Plus, your future staff will thank you. Because Mm -hmm. we all have one thing in common. We're all getting older. And the longer we live, the greater the chance we'll have a disability.
0: Okay. That's gets me going in a certain direction. We're recording this on July 12 of 2023, and this is Disability Pride Month. So that's all in good, and we're celebrating when the Americans with Disabilities Act came in. But I want to go to a point, and and I'm now in my sixth month of doing the show, and I have changed the the way I'm doing the show and the type of guests because I want – more people on here that are pissed off about how things are being done or not being done. And it comes down to one thing. And you said it earlier, money. So a lot of my guests have been coming on with the same frustration, but more and more, there are people reaching out and doggone it again, Merrill, you're one of those people that is not afraid to talk about what's important. So, how the heck are we going to get to a point we know it's going to come down to money and telling people, the, the manufacturers, there are trillions of dollars from the disability community being put into the world, okay? Huge uh, amount of dollars all around, everywhere, but still running into problems because of the almighty dollar or they don't see where they're going to be making money from. And that seems to be the biggest frustration. So we're talking about this. How is it going to change? You're on the spot.
1: (laughs) Well, there is a report called um, Return on Disabilities that confirms that people with disabilities and those supporters Have $13 trillion in disposable income per year Mm -hmm. ready to be spent. And this seems like a big number. How do you put this number in English? Well, I'll tell you how. So, we're in the United States. It means we have our market has enough money to buy every single person who lives in the United States 13,000 boxes of cookies. Okay. Think about that.
0: That's a lot of girl scout cookies. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. But it still comes down to the higher ups that if they don't have a family member or they haven't been experiencing disability, we know darn well, they're going to look the other way because more and more of these are corporations that have to make these decisions and they have stockholders. So, I think back to when uh, uh, people would want to get something done and if it's against the business, you don't buy their products. So I'm wondering if the disabled community will ever be in a position to do something to force these corporations to change. But you're doing stuff, I, I guess we'll we'll hold off on it because I'm going to be asking you about your website later on, you are going to companies, correct? And you're helping yeah. them understand what it's like. Okay, so we'll table that until we get to it. So I, I wanna open up that can of worms. So okay. I, let's get into um, chat, GPT and Google Bard. And I did some studying on this, and this is what I found. Um, this is one of many things, but I just plucked this out. Starting with user interface, Chap. GPT UI offers a lot of data, but seems more cluttered as compared to that of Bard. Google Bard's, uh, excuse me, Google Bard seems to have uh, a far more polished user interface. However, this is totally subjective and can vary from person to person. Where are we? Is it still something that is not? Obviously, it's not perfected. Are there one or two companies that are moving forward and getting ahead of other companies on making this more of a reality?
1: Okay, top one. Good. They, they have a long way to go. I have done different types of tests on it. I've written about it a few times. They mm-hmm. make up data. They make up information. And I, who do I know the best? Myself, right? So yeah. I asked the questions about me. I even gave it a link to my website in my LinkedIn post uh, LinkedIn profile and it was making up that I wrote a book that I never heard of. It was making up <laughs> <laughs> it was making up articles that I wrote for a certain comp- magazine that I've never written for. I'm telling you, it gave me link. And yeah. all those links were for They were data ends. So that alone right there just like speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. And you can't trust that to educate you. If you, um, I talked to it about accessibility and it got some terms wrong. So, and now I'm hearing a lot of the content is really plagiarized, which is going, it's a big mm-hmm. concern. I'm not, I'm not talking about students who use that to write um, like the paper. I'm talking about right. the content GPT produces may not be good information. It may be plagiarized. So oh. there's so many problems with these. Um, they're better use for creativity, not for education, yeah, yeah. not for fact-finding, but creativity. Like, okay. coming up with a great title for an article you're working on, because there's no harm there. But there is harm when it's given you data line 20% whatever. It, do, it does that. And then I'm going to look for the data because I want to confirm it. And mm-hmm. most of the time I can't confirm it.
0: Wow. Okay, let's jump into something else that's probably going to take us off. I've got a good example of a uh, faux pas that a uh, uh, high school made one of my guests not long ago was talking about a, a graduation ceremony that she attended. And this must have been a big high school because you had the stage where all the seniors were getting, you know, their diplomas and things. And on the left and to the right of the stage, each side had a, a huge jumbotron so people in the back could see better. But she said there were no captions. On this, I, she was livid. I, you must run into this, excuse me, but shit all the time and it must really tick you off. I mean, I, well, it does because no hiding folks. If you follow, uh, Meryl on LinkedIn, like I do, you're going to come across her heart and soul. She, she bleeds for this stuff. She, she tells it the way it is. And so that's just one example. Can you think of a couple of blatant, how could you do such a stupid thing examples uh, that you could share with folks? You probably have many.
1: Well, I have three kids. They all graduated from high school and none of them were captioned. However, I got the idea with the second and third one to contact the district through the deaf program and they captioned it for me. Only for me now. On the on the last one I tried to get a caption for everyone, but unfortunately it was at a football stadium that has terrible network connection, which is true because I ran into problem whenever I went to a football game, but otherwise they were gonna look into it. Anyway. So um, my own college graduation was a long time ago now. Obviously didn't have caption because caption was not big yet. Yeah. However, I was very really excited to see a friend of mine's son who graduated from a state school idea, and they had caption at their graduation. So really I know cool. you want English story, but that was cool to see my no. own university okay. caption. But a big one that I think is inexcusable, as far as I know, um, I'm here in Dallas, what are we known for? the Dallas Cowboys football team, Jerry Ward, the big stadium, Jerry Jones built. Well, they don't caption the game. I'm not aware of them captioning it. And I'm like, you know how much money the Cowboys Cowboys have and invest in other things and they can't be bothered with captions. And, And don't forget, football only has so many games, like 20 games. We'll ask yeah. baseball and back about have a whole lot more. Yeah. So why are these being captioned?
0: I, I want to quote you saying something uh, about captioning and and you stated this, the number one rule to great captions is readability. If you can't read the captions, none of the other rules matter. So is that just a, uh, that's something I'm sure that you bring to your audiences when You go in as a speaker, correct? You let them have it right there. you got to do this. It has a clear thing. Um, Tell us about their their different types of uh, caption colors or something that I read about different contrasts. And and, uh, there are certain rules that, well, what's the best background and letters combination for captioning? Is it just... Black background and white letters? Is it that simple?
1: But yes, yeah, um, if you ask 10 people that question, they're going to get probably five different answers. Um, okay. majority, <laughs> it's okay. true. The majority tend to prefer the dark background with mm-hmm. the off-white text. Okay. And so that's what I use. But there are a small few who like yellow, not white. But unfortunately, yellow is a problem for some people. It, it it's, uh, it's bright, right? Then, a lot of times, when people have captions on their screen, they only have the text and no background. So I just watched something that I posted about. It was a documentary. And at some point in the documentary, they were playing audio recordings which were not high quality like the show was still. Okay. So they had open captions, meaning everybody could see them, regardless if they had the captions on or not. Anyway, the captions were awful. So they were scrolling, they were moving, they were fade in, fade out, and and when there were two speakers that were not the center going this way and then the other one going this way, it would dark thing trying to read that. Yeah. And sometimes the background changed that it was light. You could barely see it. See it. Plus the wasn't that happening in the background. It wasn't a flat colour like that. Yeah. It was yeah. building, it was a house, you know, there were different locations. So that drained your eyes as well. So there was so many things wrong with that. Read about it. Oh and it was in italics too. but you know, which is kind of the
0: Oh yeah, it's you
1: yeah. Yeah, and italics is not easy for a lot of people to read with or without a disability. So okay. that added another readability issue. You know. So that's why I say that's the number one rule. Because if I can't read this, I'm not gonna bother with it.
0: Okay. Well, for each one of my shows, I create what is called an a uh, an audiogram. And usually I take a snippet of one to two minutes from the show, pull it out. And I use that as a teaser to get people to click and listen. Okay. Trying to do that. Um, Those audiograms have everything captioned that is being said. And I have to go through and check and it's eh, close to 90% correct, but there are times when when it's wrong, but I have to correct it. And, I have a, a a background. I don't just use a flat color. I use a background of something that's going to catch someone's attention. So there are times when I think I have the perfect, interesting background to go along with that snippet that I use that, but then I test it on myself and I've listened to you lady and I do try to read it. If I can't read it and if it's not clear, I get rid of that background and I go find something else. And There have been a couple of times where I'm I'm lucky in that if it's something that's very direct, I can just use a black background with white or a little off-white because then it's easier to read. But there are two reasons for doing these, and it comes down to the same thing for me to use these audiograms with proper captioning in it, I hope, to get people to click and listen. So I hear you, but I also, because I have been listening to things that you say, find caption problems all over the place, so I can totally understand where you're coming from. So hopefully things, I want to jump into another caption issue for you, okay? Uh, I found a recent YouTube video you did with Thomas Log Logan, and it's titled Automatic Captions, Our Experiments and Best Practices. You and Thomas are talking about uh, attending a, um, a Broadway musical. I was on Michael Jackson and you had a bad experience with the captioning. And so just so people know that the uh, video of this, uh, with Marilyn and, uh, Thomas Logan is on the life's a road Trip website. So you can go watch it and you could see ha- uh, how, emotional Meryl can get on some things. So you were very disheartened and very displeased. You went to a Broadway musical, and nothing there for uh, hard of hearing. Uh, where does where do your emotions go? Are you are you becoming uh, less emotional because you keep seeing the same mistakes, or do you still get ticked off?
1: I guess it depends on the situation, but in this particular case, I love Broadway. I love Broadway musicals. And it was Mm -hmm. my first Broadway musical in Broadway in New York City in years, I mean, a long, long time. And I was really excited at the the prospect of being able to follow it along in the brief moment that it did work. It was just so exciting that it helped me enjoy the show more. it also turned to heavy frustration. I was messing with the app. I was doing all the usual okay. text support stuff, turning my phone off and on. Turning, I, I even deleted the app and reinstalled it. I was oh. doing all this during the show because I was determined to make it work and it didn't. So I contacted the people behind it and I learned there was a network problem. And I should have gotten one of those devices and it wouldn't have been a problem. But I had no way of knowing that. If I had known that, I would definitely have got, gotten those device. That that was frustrating because I looked into the show before I showed up. Okay. I'm okay. a planner. I do that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I would imagine you have to because you're running into these situations all the time. People that don't cater to your needs. And it's exactly. just Nowadays, well, I know what you're doing. You're trying to make this just common sense. So people pause and consider. Okay. So, talking about pausing and considering, I want to get into legalities. And I'm talking about legalities for students. And I have two examples I want to bring up to you. Now, one is regarding a student, her name is Pamela, goes to uh, uh, high school where I do a lot of my substitute teaching. And I come across Pamela, she's through the school year, I've probably seen her in each of her classes, and she always has a uh, uh, a teaching assistant with her, and they get along And the teaching assistant signs. So legally, Pamela is provided that, correct? Okay. So I also bring out a situation that goes beyond Pamela's issue, and it's often forgotten. Last fall, I was substitute teaching in a social studies class, and there was a video being played by the teacher left for me to play. wasn't a great video anyway, but <laughs> but the the teaching assistant that was with um, someone that had uh, that was dev um, wasn't able to follow things. was ticked off that the teacher one didn't provide a video that had captioning, and two, nothing else was provided for that student so they could understand and learn what was the lesson that was provided in that. And it really made me think, so anytime I substitute now, and there's going to be a video played, and that happens quite a bit, I will make sure that I have uh, captioning ready to go if there are any students that need it. So because of someone else's mistake, I've learned and hopefully I understand it and I'll be there to help students out in the future. But we've we've got to get more of the message out. It just makes common sense, right? Yeah. How did you handle some of this when you were growing up? What was life like for you?
1: Well, I'm old enough that when I was in school captions were not common enough back then. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I did not get captioned until I was thirteen years old. That's when okay. I first got my caption decoder. So that's thirteen years, no no caption. Yeah. And actually mostly was cartoons because they were easy to follow. And okay. that's my street. My mom says, I am I was the first one to read before kindergarten. I was the youngest to read out of her three kids. And, and she credits the Street. And I'm like, how? There were no captions back then. But the way we figure it out is there was a lot of ongoing characters. I mean, they put words, they put matters, they put numbers on the screen a lot. So that was probably part of it. They have very simple storylines and that kind of thing. And I definitely could not read the Muppet's lips because all they did was that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't yeah, make yeah. movement. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, so I'm truly convinced it's the on screen that made a difference for me. So I remember watching videos in class all these years, and I don't remember. Um, feeling left out and bored or uh, probably bored, yes. But I don't remember feeling left out because captions were not coming yet. Yes, they were around by the time I was in high school, but they were so far and few between. And it was mm-hmm. before the laws came out that put captions in all TVs and eventually 1988, um, that kind of thing. So it was just part of life. I mean, I don't recall ever having to understand the video that would uh, uh, impact my work. Usually videos were a supplement, not necessarily some important content you needed to know.
0: Okay. Okay. So that probably had something to do with you learning how to uh, overcome issues. And but there's a line between a person like you growing up that has a, probably a good work ethic and you're confident in yourself and you will overcome those come hell or high water. You will. And some kids that are not as strong and they will just suffer through it. So that's what our society does sometimes. And it's, and it's really, it's really too bad. Uh, I want to get into now more about what you do and, and, in a TEDx talk that I saw, you you used a gimmick to get people to better understand exactly what you feel, and you had a snippet of uh, not someone with hearing loss, but that spoke Japanese, and you would I believe that you would show some captioning also as another example, and remove words. So there's two examples of okay what did this guy just say and if you don't know Japanese have no idea there you go that's your example and also the the second part I think it's very ingenious lady you take out words okay what's being said you're giving people a real life example instead of just talking over their heads so how have how are you uh, received after doing something like that that makes people just... Have an aha moment. How is that received?
1: I've gotten a lot of compliments on them, and people appreciated. Uh, several people came up to me and said, "Oh, I've used my phone when I have to communicate with someone who didn't yeah. speak English." You know that's those kind of stories I've heard from people. I've done out You know, they're um, communicating another way. That's one area. Another is like I didn't realize that you you missed so much. You you think like you just catch everything when you are replay. Yeah, it cost social bluffing. Okay. Really, it caught, there caught you social go. bluffing. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not worth having people repeat, repeat. I mean when you're in a casual conversation with friends, do nothing urgent that you have mm. to have them repeat it. But when you're in a business it becomes tricky. That's why I prefer video calls because I have captions to fall back on if I miss something. So, a couple times when these, when your video kind of froze, you know, and the captions were helping me along um, the catch what you said. So, uh, it I don't know, people just learned a lot from that and hopefully they're starting to think about communicating in other ways besides the usual way that we always communicate
0: okay and i think that carries me into just perfectly i i just open up your website and folks the there will be a link on uh, life's a road trip uh website to get over to it and i i was looking through it and i came across a statement in there under the services tab. And it's talking about these, we're talking about you're, you're pitching people about bringing you in. But under the speaking and training, you wrote, when you hire me to speak at an event or train your employees, the focus is on the three E's, educate, entertain, and encourage action. Attendees will learn something new, have a few good laughs, and make progress. The talk of training can be customized for your organization. Okay. I'm a company or an organization and I'm interested because I think, uh, I want to avoid breaking any ADA laws and that's probably a good reason people come to you.
1: Mm -hmm. What
0: do you, what do you tell them? What do you ask them? What's the first, uh, communication you have with people when they come to you?
1: First step is to tell them that the problem with we have in society is a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. Okay. Okay. Well, they know one person in their life that has a disability and they base all their disabilities around that one person, so if that one person is getting along just fine in life, they assume Everyone else who's disabled is getting along to in life. So there's a lot of misconception around it. And having awareness, educating your employees on awareness, uh, learn about disability and accessibility will help you uh, create a, a more inclusive organization because it shows you care about your employees, and don't forget, employees can be disabled too. A lot of of companies are thinking about making their products or services accessible, but they forget about the people who are in their own company. So, and I tell them that 80% of their employees are not disclosing that they have a disability. Mm -hmm. Sorry, 80% of the employees who have a disability are not disclosing. Most disabilities are not apparent, so you will never know unless they say something. And they don't say it because they're afraid it's going to affect their career. Okay. Then I go into the sphere of how the $13 trillion and how companies that have disabled employees uh, make 28% more profit and revenue than companies that don't intentionally include people with disabilities. So I go into the whole spiel of the advantages of accessibility and creating an inclusive company because it's a domino effect. When you start making things inclusive, it it makes things better because employees feel like they can bring them wholesale. Employees are able to talk to each other and say, this is, how, this is what I need for us to collaborate the best. And employees are aware of things like if somebody's having a bad mental health day they can say you know we don't have to meet today we can meet another day so being aware of an employee's mental status mental illness status helps you be nicer and kinder and help them through the rough day and change how you work together so they can get through their day so you it's just the domino effect when okay. you start thinking. Your t- and you'll get ahead of most companies because most companies don't consider disability in their DEI, which makes their DEI incomplete.
0: Okay. Does that summarize or is that summarized by, and you're wearing it right now, and then the on the t-shirt we're going to be showing, yep, progress over perfection. Tell us. Oh, grand one. What does that mean? <laughs> Summarize that.
1: I have to put it in short. Then I could go on through it. Okay, so progress over perfection. I live, I try to live my life that way. It's not just yeah, about should. accessibility and disability, but I try yeah. to live my life. It's about accessibility is daunting. It's overwhelming. A lot of people feel that way when they're you trying to build up to it. So I said, don't worry about getting it all right. Just get it started. Those small steps make a difference. And besides, accessibility is everyone's responsibility. It's not something one person should be doing. All of your department should be involved in some way. Or so HR will be ensuring the hiring and onboarding onboarding process is accessible. Per human will make sure they're buying accessible products, so everybody has a wrong. So that's one side of the coin: is don't just get started. Don't worry really about getting imperfect to get started. The other side of the Korean is for the people who are supporters. They get mad, they get angry whenever things are not going right, when things are and you, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar.
0: Okay, there you go. There you go.
1: is better than the stick. So it means educating, not berating. I can give you an example. So somebody with a disability has a, a business, self-employed, and they post it on LinkedIn. I just added an overlay on my website. This is just a, a starting point to make my website more accessible. Oh, my goodness. The comments she got, they were awful. It was awful. I cannot imagine how horrible she felt just reading them. I was feeling awful. And Mm. it was not me. So they would be reading her. I understand um, accessibility overlay companies have angered the disability community. So people fed up with them. But on the other side, the progress of perfection way, somebody told me they added an overlay on the website, one-on-one. And I'm, I'm like, I sent them a link to the overlay fact sheet. And they said, them in there, and I said, because overlays don't work. So they didn't understand it, so I had to explain it to them. So I educated them. I didn't try them. And put, after a while, they took it down, and, I, and they didn't get, they didn't leave feeling awful. The other person took it down, but she was also feeling pretty rotten in the process. And I can imagine how long that. I know when I make a mistake, I make mistakes. I beat myself up for it. If somebody beats me up for it too, I feel even worse. And we already have a, a lot of barriers at the at the at the of disability. We don't need that on top of it. Yeah. So it's better to educate and get you get the facts straight before you jump out over someone.
0: Okay. Well, this leads me into the, one last question before we uh, do something a little bit more fun. Do you think you that you're making a dent or a difference?
1: Yes. Show or showing.
0: Which one? Are you doing it making a dent or are you actually making a difference? A
1: different nothing.
0: Okay. Okay, because um I find myself when I'm doing this show, I have more of a reason for doing it now to help out. And I think I've made a dent in the uh in in my walls at times from frustration. But people like you are getting out there and you are really, you, you truly are, Meryl, you are making a difference. I'm sure that, I hope you notice that it's incremental at times and you do want to put a dent in the wall with your head, but you are making a difference, okay? So I want you to just know that because I follow you, I've been following you and studying you from the outside and I, I notice what other people are saying about and you are making a difference, okay? So thank you. All right. Let's, let's move into something a little bit different now that sound of the VW horn means it's time for the road trip roundup. Meryl, this is five questions that are relate you and your road trip experiences. Okay. Here we go. When road tripping, do you tend to do fast food or local diners?
1: Okay.
0: Gosh, that's killing it. Yeah. Okay. Why? Because you think the food's going to be better or you want a, more of a, a taste of the community?
1: Community for sure.
0: Okay, cool. Because you can I like learn to, a lot.
1: And, and I like to experience new restaurants. I don't want to experience yeah. the same one over and over again.
0: Right, right. To experience the people of the community too, uh, it's always fun just to get into a conversation if you can. Okay, next question What's your dream car for a road trip? This can be something that your parents had when you grew up something you have now or have had as an adult or something that you would even want to rent to go on a road trip. What's your dream car for a road trip?
1: What's that SUV?
0: Really? Yes. Have you been in one? Yes. Wow. Test drive or you got lucky because you know, someone that had one.
1: Has I know, one. I know a couple of people who have one and I rode in one of them. And it was a great experience. Plus, I, I I want my next vehicle to be an electric car, yeah. and I like the SUVs because they're the right height off the ground. Okay. But I love my my SUV because it's so easy to get into. You're not going really low, mm-hmm. but you're also not going really high. I like the SUV. I've had an SUV where I had to stop up and climb into it. So mm-hmm. it's just the right, no.
0: Excellent. I, I no, lo, love to hear that. I wish the government would get involved with uh, uh, giving rebates and things. So we can push this stuff forward, but, oh, well, all right. So last cassette or CD that played while you were on a road trip.
1: I'm thinking, oh, gosh, fuck. I play music in the car, but obviously it's on shuffle. So it's, Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying okay. to think, oh my goodness, CD. I'm sure it was some Baba show. Okay. Yeah.
0: But how does that work for you? If you have a hearing issue, do you have to crank it? Or how are you hearing <laughs> it? How are you, are you feeling it or what? Fill us in on that.
1: So I have a cochlear implant. I okay. I've had a he- I had a hearing aid from age one to thirty three and then at thirty three I got a cochlear implant. Okay. So I've had a bionic ear you know, stunning my whole life. And even though I cannot talk on the phone, I can tell people are talking and when I know a song by heart, I can follow it. So okay. Yeah, because I have it memorized. And when I know it so well, I can tell you what song I'm going to play before the first words are sung based on the music. I can't explain it, but my hearing is kind of like reading a foreign language you don't know. You okay. will probably be able to know what language it is and recognize something about it, but you won't be able to read the whole thing. It's kind of like how my hearing is. And when I know something very really well, it's easier to figure it out. I don't have to crank it. The only time I have to crank it is when I'm on the highway. Then it gets louder. So I mm-hmm. have to turn it off to hear it over the highway noise. But if okay. I'm on local streets, I don't have to have a way up.
0: Okay. So you always find a solution to it so you can enjoy. that. That's good. All right. Straightforward Coke or Pepsi? Coca Cola. Dude. We are at 95% on this show of people saying Coke. I, I swear. Uh, that's it. I, I feel oh, sorry. Yeah.
1: You can't fool me. You can give me a, <laughs> um, you can give me a cover my eyes that I don't yeah, know yeah, the yeah. difference. Yeah. I, I can tell the difference.
0: I've been finding from people are actually, uh, have you tried Coke Zero? Yes.
1: Coke,
0: yeah. It, it's. There's more of a taste to it than Diet Coke because I was always a Diet Coke guy, but Absolutely. Coke Zero. yeah. I do not and,
1: like Diet Coke. I prefer actually Coke Zero Cherry. Cherry Coke. Keep that up
0: in the fridge. I've got it in the fridge. <laughs> I've got some in the fridge right now. <laughs> I usually yeah. do that when uh, when I get home from a soccer training session or something. And I'm just parched. I'll in the afternoon. I'll have a Coke, Cherry Coke. Okay. All right. Here, Here's a big one, and, and you go wherever you want. I love asking this question. What's your favorite road trip memory?
1: Oh, mm. uh-huh. yeah, that's a tricky one. Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. I have to dig and remember all my road trips. I remember going to Corpus Christi from Dallas and from Fort Ross, actually. And that was a long road trip. Well,
0: that's not a good one then.
1: No, and going to um Fe with my parents and my friend was Dr. long, but I guess it was enjoyable because I had a friend yeah. with me. So yeah,
0: yeah. I
1: guess I'll pick that one.
0: Okay, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, you might have been playing uh, some road trip games. You know, license plate game, or uh, back when there were. Many yeah. more, uh, yeah, yeah, boards and, and, stuff. and the
1: alphabet game looking for the letter, yeah, yeah. getting exactly. back on and Unless we find a dairy queen,
0: oh gosh, let's not start talking about Dairy. Do you know? Then I asked someone this, uh, with one of my kids, it was a few years ago, went to a dairy queen, and I went up to the counter and asked for a dilly bar. Oh, no, excuse me, not a dilly bar because they still make those, I guess. A buster bar. Do you remember what a buster bar was? It's been so long. I was thinking about the peanut butter yes. parfait. They make those. The you don't. Oh, because it was. They take the the stick and then they put some uh fudge and then ice cream and then peanuts and fudge and um, it's all on. A, it's a peanut butter parfait on a stick. Anyway, okay. I mark how old I am with that question, but hey, me too. Back. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey. I'm, we're wrapping up the show now. I'm, I'm just going to say something to the folks and I really love having you on. I want us to stay on for a couple of minutes after we get off here. Okay. 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 So I'm going to wrap up by saying challenge and likes everybody and keep listening to life's a road trip. Thanks for listening. Check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each Tuesday. If you don't see a synopsis of this show where you're listening, visit our website at life's a Com for more information on this week's guest. This is your host, Scott Martin, reminding you that Life's a Road Trip.